You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Marcello Leone, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. Hey, this is Doc G, and welcome back to the Earn and Invest podcast. Today, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. Specifically, our guest graduated from university in a hasty 2.5 years to rush home and help his parents run their growing apparel industry. After nurturing that business for decades, his successful exit left him with the opportunity in his 40s to go out for the first time on his own. In this episode, we discuss what it takes to build a mineral and cannabis-infused beverage empire. Marcello Leone is an accomplished entrepreneur, a CEO, and founder of multiple successful businesses ranging from apparel to production and distribution of beverages infused with plant-based minerals. Today, Marcello's focus is BevCanna a leader in the cannabis beverage sector. BevCanna owns and operates one of the highest capacity cannabis beverage processing and manufacturing facilities in North America. Marcello, welcome to Earn and Invest. Thank you so much, Doc. Appreciate you you inviting me. I'm so happy to have you here today. I want to start at the beginning. Tell us about your first experiences with entrepreneurship. Am I correct? Growing up, your father was in the salon business? You are, yes. It's a long time ago. So now I'm going to give you my age, it looks like. Started off very young. Yes, my mom and dad uh, immigrated from Italy, landed in uh, Montreal, Quebec, where I was born. And uh, very modest, humble, humble beginnings. And my father was a hairstylist. He was a hairstylist based in Rome, Italy. Then he continued that in Montreal and found that it was very cold in Montreal and Quebec and ended up moving out to the West Coast when I was about uh, six years old. And yeah, I still remember my mom and dad putting me in a in a little suit when I was like nine and my sister in a little dress. And we went to visit the bank manager and he got his first loan for his first hair salon. And that's kind of how it, it kind of started in Vancouver, BC. So he he opened a hair salon and my mother was a receptionist over the years one thing that they noticed in the family business of hair saloning was that many men and ladies, but majority of the clientele was ladies, they wanted apparel to go with their new and shoes and handbags to go with their new look. And so my mother started to import some Italian apparel and product made in France and had this hair salon in the front where she was a receptionist. She had a 400 square foot little boutique and she started to service the clientele. And over those years, I was nine, I believe, then when we got to till I was just about ending university, we had built the retail apparel business, expanded from the uh, hair salon to six independent retail boutiques, shoes and apparel. And that's where I started at uh, 13 years old, selling shoes and being in the family business. And then when I was just finishing off university, I was 20 years old in, in UBC in Vancouver, British Columbia. We ended up shutting down all of the stores and opening up the largest independent specialty retail operation in Canada based out of Vancouver. And that was a retail operation with over 35,000 square feet. And we owned the Ver- Johnny Versace franchise for 30 years. And we owned uh, the Dolce Gabbana franchise for, for 10 years. And we were the first because of our our relationships in Italy going back and forth and not going through reps in in Canada or the US but going direct to the source to the vendor in Italy 
We were able to be the first retailer to bring Prada ready-to-wear men's, women's accessory shoes into Canada as well. So it was an interesting business. It was a family business. We worked very hard. The first three, four years were very, very difficult and, and challenging. And then around 1987, things really started to move. Vancouver had finished the Expo 86. We had lots of immigration coming into Canada and into Vancouver. I worked in the family business till we had a successful exit when I was approximately 43, 44 years old. It worked out very well for the family. And I started the journey of entrepreneurship on my own with my wife, whom you, you met earlier. And we kind of looked at what what is the next, what's, wow, here you are outside of a family business. So that's, that has its, its benefits and challenges because you're, you know, you're, you come from that kind of environment and then now you're on your own and you look at what, what does the white space look like? Where's the future? What, where would I like to, as an entrepreneur, it's kind of hard to, you know, you, you have that in your blood. So you kind of look at where, where, what am I going to do next? And so when I was about 44 years old, so now I'm 54, my wife and I looked at that white space and made a couple of investments into the health and wellness space. And one of those investments was uh, a beverage brand called Trace infused with plant-based minerals. And it was quite amazing the benefits that I saw when I took the product. And I used to get walking pneumonia twice a year. And I used to get my runner's knee, knee every other day. And so when I was introduced to the product, it was a nutraceutical concentrate version like I have here in my hand. And I would put it into my coffee or my own water bottles, or I would put it into uh, a protein shake, et cetera. And I wanted to see if there were the ben- any benefits and the benefits that I were, that I experienced were just off, off the chart. And so ended up being the uh, eternal optimist and entrepreneur, fell in love with the product, didn't know much about the space, went in like an entrepreneur invested and ended up becoming investor to investor acquiring the business and then creating the vision and the journey of where we're going to look and go in the next 10 years. And here we are nine years later to where we we have opened up another division called Bevcana. And because of our experience with plant-based products and getting plant-based ready-to-drink product nationally sold throughout all of national Canada in all the national retailers and getting ready to sell in the U.S. and in Southeast Asia. We had a lot of experience. It took us almost five and a half years to get the highest level of Health Canada CFIA compliance for our products. So that was a huge feat. We're the first in the CPG category of plant-based, fulvic and humic which would be equivalent to your US FDA for from a, a health and wellness and from a certification standpoint. And there was a journey to make sure that even though you're infused with plant-based minerals, the taste was critical. And so we ended up, I ended up being that entrepreneur that wanted to make sure the first, the full vertical would be uh, taken care of by us and that whatever beverage was being ingested, that the water base which is a natural alkaline water base of 7.7, that whatever we would infuse, that the first, the gulpability had to taste great. And so even as you drink all of our products, the taste is fantastic. Our base is fantastic. So we ended up acquiring this vision. And, you know, I kind of use this analogy of a field of dreams like uh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> and, and that's really my, my rhetoric. It's been like, people ask me how, when, why, where, I, I don't know, we're entrepreneurs. You know, you get a vision, you look at, wow, wouldn't it be great to to let people drink a great beverage that could do good for you? Or if you're going to drink water, how about drinking water that can do more for you? And that was my vision when I used to see products in the marketplace that were infused with sugars and lots of sugar and didn't didn't add any benefit to, to the generation out there and people that were drinking it. So that that's kind of how it all started. And as we you have that vision and you build it, now you learn the journey uh, over time and and the processes and the compliance and 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 how to build great product, et cetera. And here we are. And then two years later, two years ago, two and a half years ago, because we had our own facility in the Soyuz, British Columbia, because we had only one of two natural alkaline water sources, because we were able to do full capabilities in bottling and do different form factors, Doc, so we could actually do our own RPET plastic 
Uh, we could blow our own bottles. We could provide aluminum. We could provide glass. We could provide all kinds of different form factors. We were approached about two and a half years ago by a group that asked us if we would be interested to get into the cannabis space. Well, what, again, what did I know about the cannabis space? You know, I, I, I here you are, I'm, I'm 54 years old and I'm like sitting at the boardroom table with a bunch of people. And I looked at the younger generation and I said, cannabis, CBD infused, looked at the, the boardroom table and looked at everyone there. And they're like, the young guys were like, yes, yes, that's the future. That's the future. And so with our success in the plant-based space, we thought that it could be a nice, a nice addition. And we knew that it would, it would be a process. And it's such early days of getting into the CBD uh, cannabis space. So two and a half years ago, we filed for our standard processing license. We took our state-of-the-art bottling facility and converted 10,000 square feet of the 42,000 square feet into uh, a bottling facility for just CBD infused beverages or hemp extracts or THC. And then we left the other 32,000 square feet for our normal CPG products and our normal regular alkaline waters, et cetera, that we have in CPG distribution. And after two and a half years, about four months ago, we, we finally got our standard processing license. So we're fully compliant. And here we are about to launch our first beverages into the marketplace in the next couple of weeks. And that's kind of the evolution, build it and let them come. And if we can do everything, we are uh, a health and wellness company. We're focused, I think, and you know, Doc, you know better than anybody else, the the the, the movement into eating well, uh, sleeping well, being healthy through this pandemic. It's it's uh, how much more do we have to put the emphasis on, on, on health and wellness and, and making sure that we have everything correct. And so we're really excited about what the future brings to us. And that's kind of where it kind of all started. And there was no playbook, handbook, or uh, a model book that told us how to do it. I love it. If you build it, they will come. Listening to your entrepreneurship journey is fascinating. The way you went from working with your parents to discovering health and wellness, to infusing minerals, to eventually cannabis-infused drinks. I want to make a point of something you said earlier, and you said it kind of in passing, but I think it's important. You said, I graduated college at 20 and then went to work for my parents. That's pretty young. Am I correct in saying you did college in two and a half years? And if so, why so fast? Yeah, you know, great question. You know, I graduated from, from high school and I because I grew up in a family business and I saw the challenges with my family when they opened up this new, bigger operation, I wanted to help my family and I needed to get my education. So I, I did uh, fall, winter, spring, summer, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, summer. I, I didn't get the breaks like, you know, in university, you, you, you go for a certain amount of period and then you get a nice long summer. And you, I, I did all my credits and did extra credits so that I could finish that process in two and a half years. And immediately when I finished, I went to work for the family business. So it was my, my parents uh, grew up without having a university education. So it was important for our family to, to make sure that the next generation would be able to get their university degree. I did that as quickly as I could. And I went, went to work for my family. Whereas my sister then went on and continued her educational career and, and, and learned more in the fashion business and went back, went to FIT in New York as well. So I just wanted to help my mom and dad because it was so difficult in the first three, four years. Now, you mentioned before that you actually started your own personal entrepreneurship journey at 43. Looking back, was there ever an interest in doing your own business coming right out of college? Like, did you ever say, Hmm, maybe I should go off on my own as opposed to work in the family business. Never. You know, I don't, you know, we have a, a bit of a traditional Italian family. So if you're, you know, it has a cultural history in our culture. And no, it never crossed my mind. It crossed my mind to see what my mom and dad did from their their roots and their beginnings. And I re we really wanted to, to help the family. So yeah, no, I just, it didn't hit me until I was, 35, 36, 37, 38, that now that I, I did all of that and I helped the family business that perhaps maybe I wanted to go on my, on my own, uh, fly with my own wings and, and what could that look like? And my journey began at 44. 
Was there ever any imposter syndrome at that age of 43 or 44? I mean, you had been working in the apparel business. You had understood the salon business. I mean, these are things you grew up with. But now we're talking about beverages, health, and wellness. I mean, they seem like very different fields. Was there ever any of this questioning of, oh, I need to go back to apparel because this is a world I don't understand? Yeah, no, I think, no, none of that. Just, you know, as you get older, as you experience the journey, as you make the right decisions and you make some bad decisions, as you work in a family environment business, as I mentioned earlier, there's positives and negatives to that. You know, some of those decisions are made by the family and it could be the the father of the family. And so never really crossed my mind until later on in life. And so kind of, kind of, you know, when you say you want to be an entrepreneur at any, at any point, at any time, you could start at 55, 60, there is no age to, to be an entrepreneur. It's the determination and the vision and the want that, that, that will determine the future of entrepreneurship. Did the skills translate those skills that you gleaned from working in the family business when you went off on your own entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of beautiful skills that you 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 develop over the years. But again, uh, you also have to adapt and you have to be fluid. The world changes every ten years, uh, Doc. So you know, as as we grow from from our early teens to our you know our mid fifties, wow, you know, there's a lot of you have to adjust as well. The market the marketplace is different, and you one thing you learn is you really try to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you in categories that you're not as well versed in and, and being able to acknowledge that and, and surround yourself with people that can make strong decisions and know what they're doing. And that's a very, you know, unique trait as you, as you grow as an entrepreneur. I think that many entrepreneurs believe that they should be responsible to take care of everything, every move, every, I, I can't let others know. I think through this, journey as an entrepreneur, you learn that you want to surround yourself with smarter people than you and, 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 and let them be responsible and, and have a, a working environment that makes the execution uh, a pleasurable one for everyone. You, will, you learn not to run it as a family business anymore. You were talking about surrounding yourself with the right people, but as I listened to you discuss your trajectory, you started with the mineral infused beverages and you moved to CBD, the mineral infused beverages, it came out of a personal need, right? You were having some knee problems. You were getting walking pneumonia. You felt a real personal connection to developing this product. On the other hand, CBD sounds like it wasn't something as naturally as close to you as maybe that first jaunt into beverages. How important is that personal connection when you're starting a business? Do you need to personally have experienced the difficulty that that product solves? I, I think yes, Doc. I think there's there has to be that connection because if you don't have that com- connection for the purpose, what's my purpose? What's the point of difference? What's my barrier to entry? The innovation? What does the world not know about these great minerals? How can we all become healthier and and in the next 20, 30 years? How can I let people be aware of what this did for me? And I guess from that perspective, yeah, you know, it, it it was it was really the focus for me to articulate that to others, and it it, it wasn't a burden for me, but it was very much the purpose. What it was a purpose. I wanted everybody in the world to drink this beverage because of what it did for my personal experience. The CBD and seeing where the market went for the marketplace of wow, CBD and, and, and the utilization of CBD in the United States and Canada and worldwide. And, and even with the limited access that we have today in distribution of those products, you know, that, that's a natural health and wellness alternative. But Build It and They Will Come was, was really like, wow, look at what these minerals can do. And, and what I love, this next generation and people at my age and older and young kids to be able to drink something that is good for you and 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 avoid all the sugars and things that can make can make people not so healthy through through difficulties that could come with too much sugar etc so that was really my motivation and then as you're in it for 9 10 years now you then you look at 
what other opportunities are there in the marketplace that could give us that point of difference, a competitive advantage, and be able to be in an industry that is still very early. And the CBD space was something that is still very early for us. So it was a natural, it was a natural kind of synergy. And then how synergistic to be advancing into 2.0 of CBD and cannabis by making beverages. Uh, the, the one the the one area where we have a full infrastructure and 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 how and and what was it like for us when we started in our business in order to produce beverages very complex so we built a whole infrastructure and the one of the best things that we offer today for our company is we offer anybody that wishes to get into the beverage space whether it's normal CPG products or it's infused products with CBD we offer them white label capabilities in our operation. So we're there where we don't, you don't need to, to be a Molson Canadian or a Budweiser beer from a national standpoint of being that big, but you can come to us if you're a smaller entrepreneur that's, that's looking to build beverages and we're a full one-stop shop. So I'm, I'm glad that we've been able to do that because I, I, through this process, I get to help a lot of other entrepreneurs that that I, I developed this great, beautiful beverage organic with this. I'd like to infuse CBD in it. Great. We offer that full one-stop shop for them as well. So it gives us a lot of flexibility and a big competitive advantage in the marketplace. We're talking with Marcello Leone. He is a CEO and creator of BevCana, one of the world's leaders in cannabis-infused beverages. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is... There's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. On this episode, we'd like to give a shout out to Unify Money. The big banks spend billions of dollars on advertising each year and create special acquisition incentives and promotions to attract new customers. And you know why? Because they have to. Because they offer very poor value for customers' deposits. The separate accounts and functions make it purposefully complex to manage money. All these expenses, advertising, branch costs, etc., have to be paid for. Unfortunately, it's the customers that foot the bill through low interest rates and high fees. A typical bank retains over 90% of what they make from people's money. Unify Money aims to give 90% of the money back to users. It has been created to provide people with a better way to manage their money. Unify Money offers a single solution that includes everything you need for everyday money management, including saving, spending, and investing. Unify Money has optimized your personal financial management to make it effortless, maximizing passive income via interest and cash back and creating long-term financial assets through investment, 
automatically and by default. Unify Money makes your money work for you, not the bank. If you want to learn more, check it out. Go to earnandinvest.com slash unify. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash U-N-I-F-I and check them out. Let me reintroduce you. We're speaking to Marcello Leone of BevCana. In the previous segment, we talked about the building of his business and entrepreneurship. Marcello, let's talk about regulation and doing both mineral-based and eventually cannabis-based beverages. I imagine that there are a lot of regulatory hoops to jump through before you can sell these products to the public. Yeah, regulation in Canada for plant-based products, any normal CPG product doc is a very stringent regulatory process. Anything, anytime that you're developing products that has ingestion that will be infused and then adopted in ingestion, the, the process, regulatory process is very, very strict. That's on the normal CPG side, just with alkaline water and plant-based uh, products. And then when you look at the CBD side of the business, et cetera, on the cannabis side, hemp, et cetera, that goes through an even more stringent regulatory process. And that's why it took us almost, it takes almost two to two and a half years when people start applying for their standard processing license, because every move that you make on the cannabis side of the business, from a federal regulation standpoint, equipment, SOPs, standard operating procedures, et cetera, et cetera formulations. Everything has to go off to Health Canada, get tested, 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 mm-hmm. approved, tested, SOPs approved, tested. It is it is a regulatory, very, very, very stringent. So you've got to be ready for that. You've got to have the people in place for that. You're dealing with what was once a, a narcotic and, and now in, in Canada is federally legal, still, you know, narcotic, federally legal. And, and the compliance is very, very, very stringent. Let me just clear up for our listeners. CPG is consumer packaged goods, whereas CBD is actually the cannabis material. That is correct. So it's complicated in Canada where it is federally yeah. legal. Let's talk about the United States importing to the United States where we still have not made cannabis legal federally although it is legal within the States, talk about some of the hurdles of expanding your business to the United States. Yeah, you're not able to to send anything from Canada to the United States and vice versa. There can be no products moving back and forth with cannabis between the borders because United States, we need need federal legalization in the United States and, and we don't have that yet. You are getting both sides of the borders, brands moving into both sides of the border, but they're making their products in the, in the origin of the country that they're looking to expand. So if they're coming in your brands out of the United States, like our partner, Keith out of Colorado, we got an awesome partner, which is Keith Beverages out of Colorado. They're considered the number one brand in the United States with dollars and volume sold of units. They, they come to Canada and produce with us and we distribute for them across Canada. But they can't send product from the United States produced in the state of Colorado or California and ship it up to Canada. And the same is applies to the US. We we want to sell our products into the United States, no problem. We have to produce them in the state that we're going to sell them. And so if you're in California, you produce in California even though you're a Canadian brand. But there are no products moving cross cross borders. I mean, was there ever a point where you looked at this and said, man, I might as well be making alcohol. Why bother with the cannabis and the CBD with all of these regulatory hurdles? Well, I I, kind of use this analogy of we're not even on first base. And if I if we had the ability to be entrepreneurs and of the age at the end of prohibition for alcohol, I think that I think, you know, I I, want to be a part of that probably. And now. How many liquor stores and adoption of liquor is there across the world? Everywhere. And I don't foresee anything different in the, in the CBD space, cannabis space, et cetera. I think in time with global regulation and acceptance, we are, we are in the beginning of an industry that 
that I believe that will give the liquor business. And I believe the cannabis plant is better for you than alcohol. Much better. So what a beautiful opportunity to be a part of something that's early days. And where are we going to look like in five to 10 to 15 years? And for us, it was really to, to be a part of this for the next 10, 15, and 20 years. And I think when you see that, while well, the adoption doc is going to be everywhere. Because CBD is so important for, for, for people, for their utilizations, for medicinal purposes, for their health and wellness, for their mental state of health and wellness. There are a number of variables. And like I said, far better for me, the c- cannabis plant, than alcohol. So a few points. One is, as a physician, I 100% agree with you. When it comes to health, most likely cannabis is a lot more healthy for you than alcohol, especially long-term. Two, this idea of getting onto a new business at the beginning when it has not yet been developed. Yes, if you were onto alcohol right at the end of prohibition, you probably did really, really well. We're talking as if the acceptance globally of cannabis and the easing of regulations is a given. Do you see that as true in the United States, especially with the political climate changing over the last year? You know, it's a great, I think there was a lot of excitement. And I think that everyone thought with the Biden administration coming in, things were going to move very quickly. We need the United States to be federally legal. We need, you know, you're seeing Mexico coming coming into legalization, federal legalization. We're starting to see other parts of the world. We're still well behind the, the curve. But I don't know yet from on the United States side how quickly. I don't know. I thought it would move a little bit quicker. There are some rumors that for 4-20-2022, we'll have legalization in the United States. <laughs> now. Those are rumors. I don't know. Could it be that that the 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 politics are so uh, tight that we're going to end up with four years down in the United States where nothing gets passed? I don't know. And that's a big, you know, that's a big question mark. And I think for anybody who is in the space, from a, a requirement of banking, cross borders, etc., we need clarity on that. And and. It's federally legal in Canada. You know, we got a lot of Americans coming up to Canada to see how it's working. So, you know, systems in place, logistics in place, distribution in place, payment systems in place. They're learning from us up here in Canada. I think eventually it's coming to the United States. The question is when. As you mentioned, there are risks that go along with the rewards of being an early adopter. One is this regulatory hassle. Let's talk about. Beverage as the delivery mechanism. We see cannabis all around the US and certainly you see it in Canada, but I don't see a lot of cannabis infused beverages. Was there a risk to going after that market? Tell me about why you think it will be successful in the end. Sure. I mean, it's still early days adoption. I think we still need people, people that would like to try cannabis that would prefer not to smoke the plant and 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 go through the smoking process. I think that that's why I was so interested with beverages. I think that if you have a strong and a proper emulsion, which is your formulation of your cannabis that's infused in the beverage, I think it gives people a nice way to socially, once we get more adoption, to social lounges, to being with friends, to sitting around and drinking a beer, like we're so, we're so calm. It would be no 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 problem to drink a nice seltzer, a nice organic beverage, a nice potentially lemonade, a mix, a blend, some beautiful beverages in the cannabis space infused with a certain percentage of CBD and THC. That effect is an easing effect. People can get comfortable with it. They can monitor after one beverage. Do they? Can their body handle a second beverage? Could they handle a third beverage? I really, really believe that out of all of the categories that we have in the cannabis space, we all know that the flower is the most is 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 the highest percentage. But down down the road, the one category that that will continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow will be beverages. Easy adopt. We're familiar with it. Easy. We're all very familiar with it. It's just adoption. 
Let's talk about beverages a little bit. I've noticed with things like coffee and with alcohol, usually the beginning user doesn't want to actually taste (laughs) the coffee or alcohol, right? With coffee, they want the cream and sugar. With alcohol, often people start with fruity tasting things or things that hide the taste of alcohol. But over time, for instance, you have beer connoisseurs, wine connoisseurs who actually appreciate some of that alcohol taste. As you're looking at cannabis-infused beverages, is the idea that there will be a taste to it or is the idea that it will be hidden under some other flavor? I mean, I, I think that you always have to assume, like, if you're drinking a gin and tonic, you're going to taste the gin. If you're having a rum and coke, you're going to taste the rum. There are tequila. You have a taste. There, You're never going to get away from certain beverages, drinks, that there will be a little bit of that aftertaste, even if you try to mask it and with a mixer. I think on the cannabis side, you get a lot of people asking, and they have tasted beverages that tend to have a, a bit of a taste to it, Doc. I think, I think that you can mask it somewhat, but I think that depending on your emulsion, depending on your blends, I think that there will, there could be a bit of a taste lingering, and I think that's just normal uh, because it's normal in the alcohol industry as well to be completely flavorless, tasteless or completely mask it in the process of your formulation, not everyone is there yet. You, you might get a blend and you'll taste it and you'll say, wow, this, this has a bit of a taste to it. I, I, yes, there will be certain beverages that will have a taste to it, but there are certain alcohol beverages as well that will always have the taste to it as well. Let's take a short break. We're talking with Marcello Leone, CEO of Bevcana. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. If you've been listening to this show and trying to figure out how do I increase my top line, one way is through real estate. And when I want to learn more about real estate, one of my favorite places to go is the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast with Coach Carson. This podcast is all about how to use real estate as an asset class to get ahead towards financial independence. There are two types of episodes, one in which the coach himself gives you all the tips and tricks on how to make money in real estate. The other is where he has guests, proof of concept, real life examples of people out there like you and I making real estate work towards their financial independence plan. It is a wonderful podcast. I hope you check it out. Go to coachcarson.com. Again, that's coachcarson.com. Take a listen. You won't regret it. We're talking with Marcello Leone of Bevcana. We were just discussing the taste behind some of these cannabis-infused beverages. Marcello, I'm talking to you over Zoom, and right in front of you is what look like a number of different bottles and beverages. Tell me a little bit about what Bevcana is offering right now. Sure. We offer a full selection of plant-based beverages and nutraceuticals. This is our ready-to-drink beverage, nutraceuticals, and we offer full line of alkaline spring water, natural spring waters, and we also offer this service for our white label clients as well. This is on the natural CPG side of the business, consumer packaged goods side of the business. That's that. And then over here, you're seeing one of our brands, our in-house brand called Anarchist Mountain, where we have an infused beverage with CBD and THC. And so we'll come up with a formulation of our beverage and we'll infuse it and we'll go to market with our own brand. However, we have a multitude of clients that utilize our services for their white label brands as well. And I gave you one example of Keith. Keith is one of our brands that we have partnered with. And so the Keith brand is one that for Canada, we distribute and produce all across Canada as well. So we offer a full array for Uh, white label opportunities for our clients, CPG, CBD, hemp, cannabis, and we also offer nutraceuticals as well. So we offer full nutraceuticals as well. So a nice variety of health and wellness products 
and it doesn't limit us to be one dimensional in our company. Are the CBD and cannabis products available right now in the U.S. or is it still in the works? In, in the U.S., we haven't launched yet the CBD. We, have, we do own a direct-to-consumer online site called Pure Therapy. So if you went to puretherapy.com, you could see a number of our hemp extracts products online that we have started to get familiar with the U.S. market and our 23,000 existing customers so that we see what kind of SKUs are moving with the hemp extract. We're, we're going to get ready to, to ship into the United States for the next quarter. And our Canadian side of the business, our, our products start hitting all the dispensaries within the next two weeks. So that's exciting on our end as well. So up to this point, we've been talking about cannabis more from the consumer side. Let's talk a little bit about from the investor side and those of us who are listening right now today. You said we're still kind of on first base. Is this a good time for investors out there, people who are trying to build their portfolio? to build their portfolios, to include some type of cannabis offering in their holdings? You know, I, I, I believe so. I mean, we're, we're, that, that was always our vision and the white space of health and wellness. And it is, we haven't even hit first space. So if your investment initiative is to be long-term and you're uh, a patient investor and you want to be in the early days of, of the new category and the new space, then it's an absolute must. And I think when you uh, look and you see the numbers and how much activity we're getting with the cannabis uh, industry from state by state, just in the United States, even though you don't have federal legalization, but just the amount of revenue it brings in to different states, how can you not, you know, how can you not be in it early days? Again, if we had the opportunity, you and I, a number of us to participate at the end of prohibition of alcohol and would have the opportunity to invest in 10 great companies that began the the implementation and adoption of alcohol i think we would all want to be a part of that so yes i'm i'm very bullish on the next 5 10 years but i think from an investor standpoint you have to choose the right companies and have a longer term approach to your investment strategy and as I was about to say, you've kind of approached it from entrepreneurship, but a lot of us out here want to be a little more passive. Any suggestions for how to get in on cannabis growth without taking the formal step and putting yourself out there to start a business? Yeah, then you, you, you probably will look for public companies that are already public, that have already gone through those pains, and that have, have the ability to grow over the next three to five years. And, and so it just depends, again, what is your investment strategy? And if you don't want to do what, what some of these, you know, us entrepreneurs can do, then, then you find a good company that, that has done all that hard work and, and is yet to be profitable because, you know, you ask as an entrepreneur waiting for compliance to do and get ready to have our beverages. That was, that was zero revenue up until you get your license and you're ready to go. So you've got to basically be ready for two and a half, three years to cash flow a business before you're ready to go. And so you, you got to be able to identify those companies that now have you gone through that phase and what could the next 24 to 36 months look like? And so that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I, I love where we're at because we've gone through the hard foundational development. And right now is BevCanna public? I mean, if you're listening to this saying, boy, this sounds really exciting to me. Is there a way for someone to invest in BevCanna? Yeah, absolutely. On our, we're, we're listed on the Canadian exchange under BEV and we're listed on the U.S. exchange under BVNNF. And if you go to our website, there's great information on the company. You can connect with us. We can email us if you have any questions, if you have any entrepreneurs that are looking to get into the business. Wow. Call us. Even if you're on the U.S. side, even if we can't, we can't do it for you on the Canadian side, but we've got such great relationships on the U.S. side that we can guide your clients and, and, yeah, we'd like to see more and more people in this space because like I believe it is a healthier plant than alcohol. And I just want to remind people that no matter how much they hassle you, you won't send them free samples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard to do that, but we can definitely <laughs> guide them to the right dispensaries where they can find the products. All right. So above and beyond BevCan and cannabis, if someone is sitting here listening to us right now, Maybe they're in their mid-40s like you and I, or like you were when you started in your entrepreneurship journey, and want to become entrepreneurs. What is the first step they can take? Because a lot of times that first step is the hardest 
to move out of that mindset of being an employee and to become an entrepreneur? Is there anything you'd suggest to people out there to get started? Yeah, you know what? You control your destiny. And as an entrepreneur, everybody, you got to get ready to get out of your comfort zone. And once you're out of that comfort zone, you know, a lot of people don't like to get there because it's scary and there is no guaranteed paycheck. And you have to invest your time, your sweat equity, your money. If you have any money, you have to raise the capital. And if you can't raise the capital, whatever money you're going to, you'll, you'll try to raise the money or you'll mortgage your home or whatever it is. What us entrepreneurs do, you must, it, it is the scariest thing, but ultimately it's also probably a very good thing. And so I, I, I encourage everybody. I don't, I don't, I don't say that in a loose manner either. For most people, they're comfortable in their, in their settings and, and they could do extremely well with what they're doing. The, the lifestyle as an entrepreneur is a little bit more difficult and hopefully it works out and you got to be prepared to, to, to hit the, the rough road as well. And there's going to be failure along the way and failure makes you better to be successful as an entrepreneur. But if you don't try, we only have one life to live and time is, 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 an, is, is a commodity that we can't control. But if you, you certainly don't want to be sitting down at 70 saying, wow, I wish I could have done that, or I should have done this, or wow, I should have done that. I, I'm, I'm, whatever you feel, it's in the passion in your heart. If it's here and it's here and you say go, then you go and, and you do, you make sure that you make the best out of it. But that's, that's the advice that I would give. Yeah, the only way to assure that you don't succeed is to not try in the first place. It has been a pleasure talking with you, Marcello. I'm going to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life. And if people want to connect with you online, how can they? Please, on our websites, there's a, there's a, our email address and my email address. They can contact us directly and we'll get back to you right away. You know, you ask about what's the future. I think one thing that I realized, execute in what you do enjoy life, take a moment to take a deep breath as well, spend time to be healthy, healthy mind, a healthy body. And for me, since I started working and being in a family business since I was so young, at this age now, Doc, in my life, I want to see my businesses execute to leave a legacy, whether I'm there or I'm not there. Maybe, you know, it's established so that it can be legacy lasting forever and enjoy the process of, of also taking a moment to appreciate the time that we have. As entrepreneurs, I'm sure like you, I, it was normal to work 15, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. You, that's good to a certain point. And then it's okay that you, you take care of your body, your mind, and your health as well. So I just, I'm, a, I'm the eternal optimist. I try and stay positive through everything, Doc. I just hope for for positivity for everyone and uh, and positivity that that everything is good for for the people that I work with their families and and for all entrepreneurs you know field of dreams see the movie heartbreak ridge watch the movie everything is possible in life if you put your mind to it and don't let anybody tell you that it can't be done because they all told me it couldn't be done over and over again I got to tell you maybe I'm not there yet to some others but I we're blessed through the process and we'll continue the journey and we'll continue to work hard and everything is possible. It all comes back to if you build it, they will come. This has been the Earn and Invest Podcast. And by having myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Marcello Leone of Bevcana. That's a wrap. Have you been enjoying the Earn and Invest podcast episodes every Monday and Thursday? Well, you have the same access to these types of conversations 24-7 on our Facebook page. That's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. There we have conversations about everything from the economy to personal finance to the financial independence retire early movement. Check us out. That's at earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. We'd love to see you there and become part of our community.
cool. That was a lot of fun. God bless you, brother. Yeah. I hope you feel like we got a chance to really both talk about your journey as well as Bevcana Bev too. I love it, Doc. I love the, the, I'm, I like it so much more than people just asking me questions about, this is just an interaction. People like that. People get bored to hear. They want to, they want to know what, what it is, what you've gone through, etc. And I'm still going through it, Doc. I'm working, yeah. working it hard. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, um, you know, it's an interesting story. And I think cannabis really is at that inflection point. So it's really interesting to talk about it. Um, both the legality issue and the entrepreneurship issue, because I think you said it really well. It's like, we are right at that point. And most people say, boy, it's taken off a lot already, but it's going to really explode, especially as the laws change. And to They're be forecasting a- legal cannabis market to $43 billion by the year 2025. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you see it around here. I mean, you see the dispensaries around here, just the lines and, you know, it's becoming, unlike alcohol, I think it's becoming very rapidly accepted uh, as a part of everyday life. And I mean, you go to a dispensary and you'll see, like I'm, I'm in a college town, so you'll see older college kids there. You'll see 70 and 80 year old people there. You'll sure. see- immigrants, white people, black people, Asian people. I mean, you see just about every, you see people in business suits. You see people who look honestly like bums. I mean, you see everyone. Everybody, all walks of life, all ages. I would rather use the plant than have people put me on prescription medication. Well, and I think that's what's happening, right? Is a lot of people are self-treating anxiety and Again, not speaking as a physician here, but just speaking of someone who's kind of been around and been paying attention, you know, the side effects of cannabis are fairly minimal compared to some of these meds out there that we use. And I, I don't get me wrong. I'm a doctor. I've prescribed antidepressant, anti-anxiety meds. I use them in my hospice practice all the time. They're really good things, yeah. but they also have side effects and issues. And but for, for better or for worse, the, unfortunately, the social stigma keeps people out of going out of doctor's office. There are a lot of people who have anxiety who are now just going to the dispensary and it's allowing them to function a lot better with probably less side effects. I'm a hundred percent with you. And I'm not, you know, I'm a doctor. I want people to go to the doctor's office. Like I want course. them to be managed, et cetera, but this is the reality of what's happening. And it's, it's I've in seen, some ways a better model. Yeah. I do too, because I've seen what's happened to my aunts. Hmm. And they've gone through depression, yeah, anxiety, and then had Medicaid. You know, it, it, you learn from that and you look for alternative medicines, natural. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts.